to keep their windows shut and not to park vehicles near trees and billboards. Lawyers for former head of Moscow's investigative committee Alexander Drimanov say they are to appeal his arrest. On Tuesday, a Moscow court remanded him until mid-September. The former high-profile official was detained earlier in the week on suspicion of taking a bribe from one of his subordinates to gain a promotion. Russia's Federal Security Service says Romanov also received another bribe for turning a blind eye to closing a criminal case against an influential mafia boss. Over 450 public buildings and sports venues are to be built in the capital in the next five years. Deputy Moscow Mayor Marat Kusnodin claimed that the bulk of them will be schools and kindergartens. In the last six years, investors built nearly 150 public buildings in the capital. 53 of them were handed to the city for free. FIFA says football fans drank over 3.2 million glasses of beer at stadiums during the World Cup in Russia. That's 1.6 million litres of the alcoholic beverage. Russian spectators were the biggest spenders at stadiums and festive events. And finally, the dollar has added nearly half a ruble against the Russian currency, with the euro losing 11 kopecks. The official exchange rate for Thursday for a dollar is 62.9 rubles. One euro will cost 73.13. Rated 3 out of 10 on Moscow's roads. That's according to our interactive map. Driving time to Shremetyevo Airport from the city center is around 75 minutes and about an hour to get back into central Moscow. You'll spend around 70 minutes on your way to and from Demedetyevo. Driving time to Vnukovo Airport is about 45 minutes each way. 23 degrees Celsius in Berlin, 29 in New York, 28 in Kuala Lumpur. Partly cloudy, occasional showers and up to 23 degrees Celsius are expected in Moscow tomorrow. That's about 73 Fahrenheit. That's all from me this hour. Dmitry Shulga in the studio. Bye for now. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Wednesday, July 18th, live from the Navarrosian Terror, the Yankee Navarrosian Terror here in beautiful Moscow City. I'm Alan Ward, this is Capital Sports. Uh, very glad to be back on air. Of course, we, we, we played in because most people will know that tune either as uh, the 1812 Overture, which of course marked the defeat of, uh, or was commemorating the defeat of uh, Napoleon's invading army, or it is the La Marseillaise, the French national anthem. So, well, before we get into it, Nikki, uh, you know, this is like, it's, it's been a month and a half and we've been working flat out with the World Cup, but we haven't had capital sports per se, or shall we say. Mm. Um, and, you know, with all of our colleagues, we've had a really wild ride. Are you suffering withdrawal symptoms? I don't know. I probably will be suffering some this weekend because uh, some were watching the game and some were uh, taking advantage of all the artists and the concerts that were happening here in Moscow. And uh, one of those people would certainly be me. Okay, so basically you enjoyed what was going on around the football. Yeah, the football. and I enjoyed the football. It was really, really nice. Uh, what have we come up? What have we coming up for today, Al? <laughs> okay, well, like you say, so uh, <clears throat> we have a jam-packed and really it's a truly massive show. We'll look back at the month that was when the world turns attention to Russia for a very good reason. We'll have a little peep at the other big sports event going on right now, the Tour de France, and we'll have a look at the statistics of the World Cup. Unfortunately, Peter P can't be here this evening, but he has sent all the information into me, and we'll also have a bit of a chat of just what next for football in Russia. 
We will, of course, celebrate France's triumph with a little, uh, a little bit with uh, a Moscow, a locomotive Moscow fan and football ski writer Adrian Morvan. He's coming in with us. Uh, we'll also have a chat with Peter Staunton of Gold.com, who covered every last second of the World Cup. Was here with us, of course, a couple of times in the studio as well, as well as being a regular on the phone. And uh, okay, well, we know who won and we know who lost and all the other things that went on between. And uh, one issue that was to the forefront was how visitors viewed Russia and, of course, what what would they take away with them? Of course, they took away some women with them, but of course, I think, and maybe some men as well, we don't know, um, to each their own. But hundreds upon hundreds of journalists, photographers, and assorted others from the press pack or the media pack, they arrived to write home about what they saw. And now, why I try my, I really try my best to meet as many as possible and greet them as well. And uh, we've quite a few in studio with us and on the line, of course, as well. And, you know, overall, it was very, very impressive. And, you know, the feedback I got was pretty pretty good and uh, mostly positive nearly all positive there were a few little gripes but the vast vast majority had only co- positive comments to make and to send home and this was reflected in the reporting and yes there were a few non-sports journalists who were kind of in here to find you know bits and problems to find some faults dig a little bit but even they couldn't get that much to you know to to, um, to get worked up over a few allegations that put nothing too serious um, but you know I am being a bit too harsh because I too was complaining about some things especially the fan <laughs> IDs which really annoyed me and of course music and I mean Nicky, you were here. We were here together. We even watched some of the games, and just like I was, I don't know, I was in a bad mood sometimes. But anyway, it's old age. Um, but I have to say, the World Cup it did win me over. Uh, but did it win everyone over? Nicky, you you bought into it, right? Not only did I buy the World Cup, but I literally bought it. Like I went all you the way. The World Cup. And, well, you yeah, do realize, yeah, like, that, that's okay. why. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was talking about something different, but I did buy tickets. I wish I was that powerful, Alan. I really do. Yeah, but I did buy super expensive tickets from Samara, should I say? Because there, the tickets cost like two thousand rubles to get to Samara, no. but during the World Cup. Uh, the way back costs <gasps> you mean actually travel tickets, travel tickets, tickets yes, airplane it was tickets. Insane, insane. Yeah, yeah, they were about eight times as much. Because I was actually, I was, I had tickets for that. A friend of ours, um, uh, uh, Tom English from Ireland, uh, English from Ireland. Uh, he he uh, had tickets for that game and he wanted to give them away. And I was like, okay, I'll go. The tickets weren't expensive. The the, the match tickets weren't expensive, but the flights. Trains, the the flights were crazy. Oh, it's insane. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay, well, in studio, we have one of our capital sports correspondents, uh, also a Moscow Shamrock, who was, you know, kind of, she was covering everything from the fan zones and she ventured into the deepest, darkest Nikolskaya to let us know what was happening. So, Anastasia Baranova, welcome to Capital Sports. I think you've earned your right to join us here, haven't you? Thank you. Oh, okay. yeah, it's like a tough job, but uh, I really got it done. Good. So listen, tell us, from the point of view for uh, Nathan Muscovoy, just how was the past month for you? Uh, well, it was an incredible experience. I've never seen uh, my city like that before. I was amazed to see so many different nationalities in one place. Everyone's just having fun, enjoying the city um, and the events. Uh, lots of guests found Moscow and Russia in general as a really welcoming and warm place. Did you? That was a big difference, actually, because I mean, a lot of people were surprised with that, just how happy and nice people were. But that is that is uh, Russia in a nutshell, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we're not really smiley at the outside because it's not in our nature maybe uh, and uh, well when you get to know us we're just normal welcoming people I don't know oh that's good okay it's the same as the rest of the world so uh, okay so listen um, on the on the pitch of course we do lots of matches but um, and you know in, in, in the streets it was like very very like you know positive so which which fans or which nation's fans uh, did, you, did you kind of you know kind of that interested you the most 
Uh, well, we met mostly like uh, fans from Latin America here, or maybe um, Middle East uh, and North Africa, and uh, that was the majority of fans here in Moscow, I think. And uh, yeah, they were very overwhelming i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay especially after the game with uh, mexico and uh, germany yes of course yeah, the whole city lit up with that how did you find the mexicans with the costumes did it look weird uh it looked amazing i don't know it's just uh we were just walking around taking pictures with every mexican we met in sombreros and it was uh, a lot of fun the atmosphere was just fantastic Okay, so okay, so the Mexican fans, of course, they they sort of like caught the attention, of course. Uh, oh, overall, with 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 the whole thing, which which um, kind of off the field things, especially in the fan zone, did, struck you most? That really kind of you think that could work again or in another context in Russia? Uh, Russians, of course, I think. <laughs> really, if they say friendly and say nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, do, you, yeah. do you think that, I mean, that, that the openness, like if people continue to be like that way, warm and opening and welcoming? Uh, sure. Uh, they were um, just uh, one thing uh, which amazed me uh, in this World Cup in general is that every fan uh, around the world uh, was uh, not only supporting their own teams as well, but were cheering for... Uh, the other teams, they're supporting um, other countries as well in this World Cup, and uh, so did Russian. And um, I don't, I know my friends were cheering for Colombia, for um, Mexico, for England. So for England? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, that's a bit strange. Me myself, I, I, I was cheering for England. You were supporting England? Yeah, I was. <laughs> Okay, all right. Moving quickly on. Uh, okay, listen, how did Team Russia's performance get you? I mean, like, uh, in general, like, how, how did you think that affected the nation? Well, uh, I think, like, most of Russians didn't believe in success of the team in this World Cup. Um, but actually, it was a pleasant surprise that we uh, got through the um, quarter, uh, got to, into the quarterfinals, and uh, that's where the interesting part started <laughs> um i think the game was a sp with spain was just life-changing for some reason why was it why life's changing uh, what, what what changed i mean i mean i know it's a bit it's it's a good word this is a parallel but what would have changed for you in your view of say the russian football team for example i think we had some not only luck on our side but uh also like fought well in defense in that match, uh, so yeah, that confidence in their. In the, um, sorry, <laughs> that confidence um, of players and um, of. I'm sorry. Uh. In the ability of the national team. Well, listen, I mean, uh, if, if you look, because I mean, I know like, you know, you, you, you love your sports and you're into like, you know, playing gay football and so on. So would, would this like, would this World Cup, would that make you kind of more interested to go to see a football match in Russia? Yeah, I would like to see um, the match uh, from the stands because I think it's another atmosphere than mm -hmm. there are in the bars on the streets or even at home with, with the friends. It's just... Um, I think it's worth visiting, you know. 
Adi, before the World Cup, would you have been, have had, like before you were like doing, like, you know, out in the fan zone, so would you ever thought of even being interested in football or to go to a football game? I've been to a football game once and yeah, it was kind of fun, but it was like a local Volgograd team. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, uh, it was cool atmosphere, but I think the international matches are really, uh, which is like worth to visit and to see. Okay, and if you were to pick a club in Moscow, which club would it be? Which club would you go to support? I don't know, Ceska. Ceska. Okay, all right, that's interesting. Okay, so Ceska. Okay, listen. Um, just be, 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 before we move on, we have another guest in studio as well. So before we move on, just want to ask you, just in terms of like with the, um, uh, there was lots being said about uh, you know kind of how uh, the, the foreign fans were and how they're behaving and so on. How did you find their behaviour, say, towards towards local women, towards yourself, for example? I haven't faced any um, offensive comments or something. Maybe I just didn't understand them because they were in a, like Spanish. Speaking Portuguese, Spanish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, I know like uh, foreigners like Russian w- women and um, kind of impressed by their beauty or something. <laughs> and uh, it was just, I don't know, flattering, that's it. Okay, yeah. but nothing, nothing too... Nothing like, offensive. You know, uh, they were respectful I don't know. I haven't faced anything like and disturbing ter- me. And in terms of going around, just with the one thing that we, of course, we heard before, this was going to be like you know, racism, going to be hooliganism, going to be all like, well, it's going to be hell on earth, basically. That's what, that's what was being predicted, like the, the hooligan, the Russian hooligans going to like kill people and so on. I mean, that, no, that was real headlines in, in uh, well, British newspapers or English newspapers. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what, we were all kind of like, well, we're all kind of worried about it. But um, I mean, overall, how did you find like, the, the, the atmosphere in the streets? I mean, just with the local people, not, not okay, we said they're open and so on, but how are the local fans behaving um, they were cheering for the teams the, for their international teams for Russian teams and um, of course there are some drunk people around the streets but they weren't hostile or violent at all they're just happy for them I don't know okay so uh, have you or do you already miss the World Cup or how are you feeling yeah like? yeah it kind of empty on the streets right now okay. <laughs> all right. okay so Anastasia Barano, thank you very much for that. So, an update, and so for keeping us updated, because of course I, I only uh, ventured into Nikolskaya in daytime, so and I took uh, my son with me. So, like, yeah, so we we were working. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a working a working trip down that street of shame. So, okay, uh, that's a joke for street of shame. So, uh, okay, so uh, quick update because of course we have football going on right now in Europe, uh, well around the world, but especially in Europe, we have Champions League qualifiers going on at the minute. So, a very very quick rundown. So, you start the second half, Karabag and. Uh, Ljubljana, it's nil nil. Karabakh leading that one nil. They won one nil in Ljubljana. Uh, Tiraspol, Sheriff, of course, from uh, Moldova. They are leading three nil against Torpedo Kutaisi from uh, Georgia. They're leading that now four uh, two on Agris. Zrinski Mostar from Bosnia. They are trading one nil against Spartak Ternava. And Spartak now are leading two nil on Agris. Rosenborg have just kicked off against Valo Reykjavik. Reykjavik, of course, pulled that huge shot because Rosenborg, everyone wants to know Rosenborg would be the team to beat and They were the best team in the world and so on uh, from Norway. So, uh, okay, and uh, Sutjeska, they are uh, nil-nil, uh, haven't started yet against uh, FC Astana of Kazakhstan. Astana lead at 1-0 after the first leg at home. And Celtic, Celtic, Andy McLean, if you listen to this, Celtic, I'm just looking at it here. So you're leading 3-0 in the first leg from um, from Armenia. 
And uh, you guys only lost one year last six, or last five, excuse me. So fingers crossed for you guys. Okay, earlier on today, Gielio from Sarajevo. They won 3-1 against Trans from uh, Estonia to go through 5-1. And that was in the Europa League. So before we go, we have our quiz question. We give away uh, passes to tomorrow night's Champ Talks, which of course take place 7 o'clock at the Jewish Museum and Centre of Tolerance. Uh, super, super star-studded lineup tomorrow. So the question is, who finished top scorer in this year's World Cup? Was it A, Harry Kane, or B, Cristiano Ronaldo? We'll keep it nice and easy for you. So A, Harry Kane, or B, Cristiano Ronaldo, plus 7, 925, And to honour France, to honour France, we're going to play out with a massive, massive French hit so we can all enjoy it before we get our next uh, guest in. So uh, here we go. This is Alizé and moi, Lalita. With Alan Moore. Moi je m'appelle Lita, le ou bien le lin du pareil au même. Moi je m'appelle Lita, quand je rêve l'eau, c'est Lola qui saigne. Quand fourche ma langue, j'ai là.
ladies and listen to the BCM radio show every Friday on Capital FM Moscow 105.3. Every Friday at 1am on Capital FM Moscow. I like the way you do your f- Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that last song because, of course, we did here in the studio. Uh, Nicky's kicking away, asking me, how am I allowed to get away with these songs? I've had messages saying, are you serious, Alan Lolita? I'll tell you, I, I have a great story about this song because I first heard it when I was in uh, Jed in Saudi Arabia. And then I was driving back up and I'm driving through Turkey. And this song comes on the radio, on Turkish radio. This is in 2002. And just as like, out of the blue, Alize Lolita. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And as I'm driving, I get the... Turkish police stopped me. It was up in the, in, in, or down the south, well, kind of up from the south Turkey before you hit Ankara. And uh, the Turkish police pulled me over. And this is like blasting. And I, so they pulled me over in my car and I'm playing Lolita in my car. It's like, <laughs> how am I here alive? I don't know. Right. That question again. So who finished top scorer in this year's World Cup? Was it A, Harry Kane or B, Cristiano Ronaldo? Plus 795-111053. Get messaging in because we have those passes to give away for tomorrow, for tomorrow night's Champ Talks. You do not want, want to miss the Champ Talks. This, it'll be absolutely spectacular. Okay. So, uh, now... I was going to just I, Nick and I were speaking before we went on air about uh, you know when you meet people who you not I, I hero worship is a bit strong maybe or did you admire um, because I had I had this before the World Cup final was in I went into the, to the canteen the press canteen mm-hmm. and uh, I saw a guy who I remember from when I was like three four years old like seriously playing football for the team the team in England sport Trevor Brooking. And I literally couldn't approach him. I couldn't speak to him. Anyone else? I mean, you know, Gary Lineker, Martin Keanu, Dimitri Shulgas looking at me going, why are you afraid of a man? I have my reasons. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, was, I was so scared I couldn't even open my mouth. Did that ever, you, you've never frozen in front of your idol, apart from uh, Dimitri Bistro. Uh, I no, say, I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say because he's listening to this, so, so I can't say. Uh, I, can't. I actually don't. I only do that in front of men. Like I'll go red and like I'll get my mouth. Yeah, yeah, you you know I do that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you finish off what you just said. I go red and then I get my mouth. No, don't. You have to finish that <laughs> oh off. Oh my, getting back I to that. I know what it is. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> you you turn everything wrong. You turn everything wrong. No, I never. I never really do have like an idol or a hero. There are lots of people that. I look up to and like for example if I see like a celebrity whose songs I like for example or who I'd like to meet I would go up and talk to that person but I don't really get like starstruck by anybody because I don't know I just think the regular people and I don't think it's cool at all like I think it's just it looks really bad when you do that okay any of the footballers you saw at this World Cup would you like to meet oh Larson is cute I saw him everybody is saying Larson 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 yeah, he's cute. And also the French... Okay, two of the French players are really cute. Mbappé and the other one is um, um, Antoine Griezmann. Cheating Frenchman. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, fine. Uh, right, moving very, very swiftly on. So, okay, well, I met Gary Lickers said, and it was really funny because then Tim was watching TV with his mom, and then he was like, uh, Mom, look, that's, that's the guy I met like in, in Moscow with Dad. Like, you know, it's like kind of... For him, it's normal to meet these people. It's like, it's very, very strange. So anyway... 
Right. Um, so we have some stats that I got in. Uh, Peter P, he, he sent them in to me because uh, he's sick, unfortunately. So get well, Peter. Uh, but on the football side of things, that the on July 1st, it was just the second time in history that two games on the same day went to penalties, to penalty shootouts, I should say. Um, the, the last one, or the first time being June 21st, 1986. He asked me, can I guess those teams? I know well, it was in Mexico, so probably West Germany is one of them. Uh, maybe Mexico as well. Uh, and this World Cup was the first time that all teams scored at least two goals. All teams scored at least two goals. So that's not too bad. 43% of the goals were scored from set pieces. So 78, 73 of 169 goals were scored from uh, set pieces. That's the highest since 1966. Nine of the winning goals were scored in the 90th minute or later. That does include um, injury time or extra time, sorry. So more than any other World Cup. Cristiano Ronaldo became the fourth player to score in four World Cups and the first European player to score in eight consecutive tournaments. Um, Nick, can you guess where is the oldest player? Where is he from? He is from... Uh, oh... You, you should notice we did discuss it. Did we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, well, he's not that? from Russia. No. He is from Latin America. Well, well yeah. Well, one of who, who, an outfield player. You're correct. Uh, Rafa, Rafa Marquez of uh, Mexico, and then the Egyptian keeper. Oh. SM Al Isn't he, he like 36 or I don't know? Uh, Marcus is 39. And There's Hadari a Russian player who's, who's 36 or 30. Who turned 39 just after World Cup, uh, Ignacio Sergei. Oh, okay. Yeah, our defender. Yeah, I was totally thinking of a different person, but okay. Okay. And <laughs> who became the first team to score two goals at the World Cup since Pele in 1958? Am I also supposed to? Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> who's the first teenager to score two goals at the World Cup since 19, 1958? No idea. Mbappe. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. You have an idea. Yeah, I did oh. know that. Okay, so uh, we know, actually, this is something we give out. And they, you see, we, I just look at the looks. I don't... <laughs> oh, right. All right. I'm going to move. I'm not, I'm not, that's it. I'm finished with that. Okay, so right now in Chile, we're very, very lucky to have with us, joining us uh, all the way from, well, Moscow, but he's from Rennes in France. Uh, he is working, well, he's a long time in Russia. He's, uh, he's studied here in Russia as well. And, of course, he's a correspondent with Football Ski website. So, Adrian Morvan, welcome. Hello. <laughs> you see, so and I have to say, we were already congratulated by everyone, but congratulations once more for your uh, win, I guess. Merci beaucoup. Okay, <laughs> and listen, uh, as a French person here in Russia, you you went to quite a few games, and you went to a lot of French games as well. Um, I went to Sweden against uh, South Korea in Nizhny Novgorod, and I went to France Denmark. That was a poor pick, of course, because of course. it was nil nil. But it was a great atmosphere. Because after that France-Denmark game, I was in here in the studio with Dimitri Shulga and with uh, with Nicky Stay, and really, I could barely keep my eyes awake at that game, or open at that game. It was like terrible, terrible. But then again, France did enough to win every single game. I mean, they, they didn't, against Croatia, of course, they, they, you know, they scored four goals, but they never seemed to be in too much trouble through the World Cup. Yeah, actually, it was a perfect tournament. Um before the final, I watched the documentary film about the 98 victory and I was impressed to see that there was a lot of problems in the team. There, was, there were injuries. In 98 or this In year? 98. Oh, yeah. uh, injuries, red cards for Zidane, like it was a catastrophe. But this year, everything went according to the plan. No red card, no injury. So, except for Conte in the final, with um, he was sick during yeah, the. Yeah, what happened? Because he just seemed to like he he wasn't himself. And I mean, sixty something minutes gone, he was taken off, and we were surprised. He played out. sick the the first he was half. Sick. Yeah, he was very sick. That's why he was like not looking great on the pitch. Okay, okay. No, so oh, 
I mean, overall, I mean, like, um, what can what can you as a French person take away from this story? Okay, you won and so on, but like, you know, a lot of people are criticizing the style of play and the way Didier Deschamps was setting at his team. But I mean, they won. So what what can you take away from this? What do you want to see from France next? Well, actually, um, Deschamps he was never going to play possession football because during the friendly games he saw, for instance, against Colombia that. When France is playing relaxed, when France is playing possession, they tend to lose their mind. Uh, like they were two nils, uh, two goals up against Colombia, and they lost three two. And I think uh, Deschamps doesn't like it at all. This kind of games. So the plan at first was to give the ball to the opposition and to strike quickly on counter attack. Uh, some people say it's ugly, but uh, I don't agree. It's really beautiful to see when, for instance, Mbappe against Argentina scores a wonderful goal. Oh yeah, I mean it was one of the goals at Dortmund. It's definitely top five. So I think it will be like in '98. The team in '98 was not very beautiful to see, and then in the European Championship in 2000, it was a wonderful team, uh, always scoring goals, uh, being the best French team ever in my opinion I think in 2020 maybe that's that's the way to go being more offensive you think the then the European Championships next year they, they could follow up this uh, this win in Russia with a win in the, in the European Championships next uh, in two years time well they, they have all the qualities to do so because the the team is very young uh, they are very talented uh, there are some players who didn't came for this World Cup so I think as well, France is a serious contender for, for the next one. Okay, now in the next next segment, of course, we're going to speak with uh, Peter Stoughton of Gold.com to have a look at the, the World Cup as a whole. But just quickly moving on to that, um, with this World Cup, which countries disappointed you? And don't laugh at Germany and uh, England. Well, I'm not going to laugh at Germany, even if it's easy. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I was not really disappointed by anyone, but... I was a bit disappointed by Japan, actually. How so? I mean, was it because of the, the kind of the collapse, late collapse against Belgium or what? Yeah, because uh, I, I love Japan, the way they play. And when I saw that there were two goals up uh, in the first half, I thought, well, we'll see Japan in the quarterfinal. It's just, it's, well, marvelous. The cat is in the bag, as uh, Giovanni Trapattoni would say. Yeah, I, I forgot about Milan Liverpool. Uh, I thought everything was done, and so, uh, well, it was great to see Belgium uh, winning in the end because it was a beautiful team and a beautiful opposition for Brazil and then for France. Because I mean, if you if you if you look at it as well, because the, the Belgians, we were we were speaking with us in here in the studio uh, after or the day after that game, and they they started off attacking, 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 and the the, the Japanese were counterattacking very very quick uh, counterattacks, scored two goals, and then the Belgians turned around and started playing counterattacking football, and that's how they got their three goals. It was like catching the Japanese on the break, but should the Japanese have just like copped on a little bit and just held back, like you know when it was two two, did they need to go for a winner? I think that um, the major mistake from Japan was the very last action uh, on the corner. And then Belgium takes the ball and rush towards the goal and nothing can stop them. So 
I think it was very poorly played, the, the very last action of the match. Okay, in terms of, um, you kind of like with this kind of unexpected turnarounds and so on, uh, we were discussing just before we went on air about the, these idiots who invaded the field uh, on, um, at the World Cup uh, just when Croatia were at, in, a, in a good attacking position attack, and they'd been attacking to start of the second half. Did that, do you think that, like the, the Croatians said that that really did affect them? Do you think it did? Do you think it like, sort of like made it that bit easier for France? Mm, no, I think the, um, the critical changing moment was then um, N'Golo Kante was changed for Nzonzi. Then France started to play uh, very well. And there was like 15 minutes when France was playing a very impressive football and it ended when Loris, well, did what everyone saw. Yes, of course, and what he, he watched himself to be screened later on. Um, what overall from from this World Cup? What 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 did you enjoy most about it? I mean, of course, you went to games and so on. But what what did you enjoy most? Because you've lived here in Russia for a number of years, uh, and you've been going to games, not just Premier games, but a lot of different games across the country. Um, what what most impressed you? from, say, a footballing side and then from, a, say, a social side or organizational side? Well, uh, as a football fan, it was a delight to see all the fans from Latin America. And I remember going to work early in the morning in the metro. It's always quite depressing. But uh, this day there was like 20, 20 Argentinian fans in the wagon just like singing in Spanish just to... Well, going to work with me, it's just, it was a great experience. I would like them to stay just all year long to sing all the way to, to work. And it's not possible. <laughs> you could have just taped it and just put on your headphones every day and just have that memory. So, uh, from a footballing side, what would like, uh, say for Team Russia, what could Team Russia take away? Like, uh, was it, was it like, has it helped Russian football or would it be better if they lost all three games and just gone in early? Um, I'm sorry, but I will be a bit pessimistic. Uh, I think it, it was a great tournament for Russia. Uh, they showed well; they showed great qualities. But the problem is, all the structure of Russian football is still the same. Uh, nothing changes. So you can do a good tournament; it happens from time to time. But if you don't start to rethink all the structure of the Russian football, you will, well, never go anywhere. Okay. No, it's a good I mean, we, we, we brought it up. We, we said it ourselves here, uh, like in the studio, many times we've discussed it, but how to try and fix Russian football and how to, to make it better. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, one um, leading club person here uh, in Russia, like from one of the top Premier clubs, said that it, the best thing that could happen if Russia loses all three games, goes it early, and then they have to say, hold on, we have to try and rebuild. We have to like start again because as it is, people going, oh, it's great, it's great. Russian football is the best. Like, you know, we, we, we don't need to Okay, we're going to go to a break now in just a moment. Um, and Adrian's going to stay with us. So um, that question again, uh, who finished top scorer in this World Cup? Was it A, Harry Kane or B, Cristiano Ronaldo? Plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three. Now this next song, we're going to slow it down a little bit. And this, we, we, we put on Lolita as a bit of a joke sort of uh, for our French guests. But now we're going to like do something a bit more classic. And uh, Nikki said, you know, Oh, this is this music is from a movie. So, what movie is it? And uh, I said it's from when Mr. Bean went down to the south of France. So, uh, just keep that in mind. So, as you listen to the lovely French chanson. 
just think of Mr. Bean. Okay, just that. Just keep that in, in your mind. Uh, there's a, a goal gone in from Spartak Turner. They have scored. Uh, sorry, sorry. Zvinsky Moscow have scored, excuse me. Uh, so they've cut back that lead from Spartak Turner. Now Spartak are leading 2 1 on aggregate. So another goal will bring it to extra time there. Okay, so we're going to go out to the song. It is Charles Trenet and Limeo. With Alan Moore. La mer qu'on voit danser le long du golfe clair a des reflets d'argent. La mer. Des reflets changeants sous la pluie. La mer, au ciel d'été, confond ses blancs moutons avec les anges si purs. La mer, bergère d'azur infinie. Voyez, près des étangs, ces grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez, ces oiseaux blancs et ces maisons rouillées. La mer les a bercés le nom. Des golfes clairs et d'une chanson d'amour, la mer a bercé mon cœur pour la vie. La mer qu'on va danser le long des golfes clairs a des reflets d'argent. La mer des reflets changeants sous la pluie. La mer au ciel d'été confond ses blancs moutons avec les anges si purs. La mer bergère d'azur infinie. Des étangs, ces grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez ces oiseaux blancs et ces maisons rouillées. La mer, elle les a bercés le long des golfes clairs. C'est mon cœur pour la vie. Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman. Here we go. You know, I don't think I have a lot of people that hate me, but I think I have a long list of people who moderately dislike me. 
you can really taste the Soviet Union in a larder. You know, there's like a... Well, you can smell petrol. That's the main thing. That's the main thing you notice, to be honest. And actually, the, the, a larder doesn't start just by turning the key. You also have to sort of go, the way like, there's like, there's like an element of that, like, you know. Oh, British people. We gave you a language. Oh, British people. God's sake, I wish you'd use it. <laughs> Every Thursday at 9pm, Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman on Capital FM Moscow. Are you serious? Телефон такси Москвы 333-3333 от города 495. Слова и выражения, которым вас не учили на уроках английского. Freshman at Life. Freshman at Life. Объясняет коммерческий директор рекрутинговой компании Люк Джонс, Лондон, Великобритания. Freshman at Life. Фрешмен – это человек, который только что поступил в институт, но фрешмен от лайф – это человек, который даже не умеет делать самые простые вещи, даже не может открыть дверь или, типа, включить стиральную машину, что вот, you're just a freshman at life. Freshman at life. Freshman at life. With Alan Moore. Okay, welcome back, folks. This is the last segment of our first show after our lovely World Cup break, even though we were still working the whole way through it. And, of course, uh, Nikki Stay and I, we, we watch games together, we cover games together, and uh, she was making lots of fun of me when I used to phone in. So it's about time I... Get a, got a bit of payback in. Thank you. Yeah, you deserve it. Like, you, oh my goodness. No, no, you're very, very, very cool. And I have to say, I have to pay a great compliment to all, to, to you, to our colleagues who made it so much easier for me than it should have been because, than it could, not just could have been, should have been because like usually sometimes like, you know, because uh, I was running around covering this, covering this, doing the interviews, covering games. It was very, very difficult and really, really tiring, but you guys made it extra special. So of course, Sasha, who, might be listening. We always know he's always listening somewhere. Uh, our boss. So to thank him just for for making it sort of a, a nice, smooth kind of World Cup and for you guys. So thank you very much. Just a, thank you. It's important to say thank you at times. So yeah, it's nice. Okay, so we're keeping that a uh, nice buzz going. So Astana have uh, open scoring. Despotovic has open score for Astana. So they lead two 0 against uh, Sotiershka. Uh, Celtic are kicking off. Actually, I think they're kicking off in around. Five minutes time. Yeah, it was three minutes time. Okay, so we're going to go to a, a call uh, right away with... Uh, we still have our guests in our studio, but we're going to go straight away to a very, very special guest. A man who, i tell you something, he became one of the stars of the World Cup uh, because I woke up one morning listening to his dulcet tones and just thinking... Life doesn't get any better than this. He was on with BBC Five Live down from downtown Moscow, so I'm paying you a big compliment. Uh, welcome back to Capital Sports, Peter Staunton of Gold.com. Alan, thank you very much. Uh, what a compliment. No, Peter, listen, you you were brilliant the whole way through. And I tell you, of all the, the foreign correspondents, I call it foreign, foreign correspondents, even though it's not quite the right way to say it, but the, the, the journalists who come in, you covered it so well. Like, you didn't, you didn't uh, sugarcoat it. You were very, very positive. And I remember when we did the, the champ talks, well, over a month ago now, you were just, you, you, you along with, well, the, the three of you who were on the panel, yourself and Barry Sheridan and uh, Talish Safar, uh, DJ Talish uh, from, from Capital, you guys were absolutely brilliant and you made it so good. So, listen, thank you so, so much for do, putting together wonderful coverage of, of, of the World Cup here in Russia. It was my pleasure, Alan. Um, 
I came to Russia with open eyes and an open mind and had a look around, uh, spoke to people, tried to get a decent impression of what life was like in Moscow for expats and for locals alike and, you know, came home with a very, very positive impression of the place. What was what stood out for you most of all, uh, Peter? Okay, say off the field and on the field. What, like, say we we'll start with, like, say off the field. What, what really struck you? Because you were here before, of course. What struck you this time that was, like, say, different from your last visit? Well, I think people tend to think of Russia as a kind of closed place, uh, closed-minded place, cold place. But, you know, when I got there and having a few conversations with locals, whether it's going for a beer with some people that you met in Russia before who were covering tournaments uh, from World Cups past, you know, you get the impression that, you know, people are friendly. They they want to help you. They want to make sure that, you know, you're going home with a positive impression of, of Russia. And uh, the hospitality was fantastic. And from an organizational standpoint, it was one of the best tournaments that I've ever been at. When you consider that Russia hasn't held a football tournament like this before, it makes it all the more impressive. Um, and obviously, we know from right on high, there was the directives to make sure that nothing went wrong. But, you know, all credit to everybody who was involved, FIFA, the local organizing committee, all the way down to the volunteers. You have to say that they really put on an A1 show. Uh, if, if there was something you could have, um, say, improved on, Peter, what would have been? You know, Alan, what really surprised me, and I may be showing my ignorance here, but traveling around Europe, you know, if you go to France, Spain, Italy, Germany, wherever, the language, the level of the English language among the young people is generally high. You know, if you go for a beer or you want to go and buy something or if you have to have a, or if you're unfortunate enough to go to the hospital, whatever, in these countries, you can generally get by with the level of English that you're faced with. But I found in Russia that, particularly among the young people, um, it surprised me how little English uh, they actually had. And I do understand that it's taught in the state schools there. But uh, I was quite surprised, uh, you know, maybe one in every sort of 15 people would be able to engage in a proper conversation with you in English. But but beyond that, it's kind of people are, are, are kind of grasping and going for people to translate and pointing at things for you but without actually being able to engage uh, with the English language. And that surprised me. I mean, yeah, that's something that that is the one thing that I've, I've, I've personally taken away from what people have been saying. Of course, I speak Russian, so it doesn't really affect me that much. But, you know, I, I, I've seen, I've see, read it and heard it, that people taking that away, that it, it is difficult. So it's a, it's a great point. Again, it's something that, uh, you know, uh, Russia needs to kick up. But what do you think about that? Uh, before, I want to talk about football, but before we go to the football, this this uh, decree from uh, the president to say that uh, the fan IDs are valid to the end of the year, is that a good move in terms of for just uh, football tourism alone? I think it's a great move. Russia, it's particularly the bigger cities, Moscow, St. Petersburg. They're cities that deserve to be visited en masse by people from the West. I mean, if you think of cities like, you know, two quick examples like Paris and, and Edinburgh, if you're interested in art, culture, theatre, you go to these places for a weekend. St. Petersburg should absolutely be up there uh, when it comes to these big Western cities uh, in terms of art and culture. But for some reason, Russia is never really considered as a destination place to go. You know, like if you told somebody in the UK, for example, I'm, going to, I'm taking the family to Moscow for the week, they think you're mad. But hopefully the World Cup will, will change those kind of perceptions and you could say, OK, we can go for a culture weekend. You know, we could go for a week's holidays. You know, we could go and, and, and really explore the place and, and get to know it, um, which is something, I suppose, 
in my lifetime that, that Russia was never that kind of country uh, for Western visitors. So I do think that the directive from, from President Putin is, is a good one. And the more people that can go and come back and visit and engage and eat there and drink there and sleep there and have fun there and watch games there, I think it's going to be all the better for Russia in terms of its engagement with the West. Brilliant, Peter. No, no, spot on. Agree to one hundred percent, Peter. Okay, on the football side of things, uh, did we see the best team win the World Cup? And uh, you know how 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 close were Croatia to actually winning it? I think Croatia were spent. I don't think if you play that game nine more times, I don't think Croatia would win it once. Um, they had too much to do. Uh, they had an extra match to play. Um, you know, when you consider that France pretty much had their qualification sealed by the time they played Denmark. You know, they didn't really... They've had much more in the tank. And um, Croatia, I don't think, had the quality in the end. Um, I know they had three or four Champions League winning players, but when you look at the back line, it did, it did get vulnerable, particularly in the second half. We got a bit ragged. And Pogba and Mbappe, those two players in particular, when France had to find an extra gear... Uh, in, in, in different games, the Argentina game, it was Mbappe. And then, of course, in the final in, against Croatia, it was Pogba. You just felt that France could hold every team comfortably. And then when they needed to find that extra gear, they could do it. And I think that's what separated France in the end, who were workmen, like, let's be honest, but from the other teams who were a little bit more exciting, like a Belgium. Now, we have a Frenchman in the studio. And he's, he, he seems to take a bit of offence at that, like, workman-like. You know, I, I, some would say artisan, but um, I think he, he might be offended by that. But listen... Um, uh, you know, who, who stood out for you as, as who is your players of the tournament? Because it's not fair to say a player, but who, who were your picks for, for best players of the tournament? My picks for best players, I would have to say Kylian Mbappe. Um, and I wrote this in an article before. Uh, the only thing I could compare his effect to is the first time when I think I was 11 or 12 years old, and I saw Jonah Lohman playing rugby for New Zealand at the World Cup in 1995. And to see Kylian Mbappe... Um, exert himself upon Argentina the way he did. I mean, that was something really eye-opening. And you'd have to think that the next generation of fans coming up, guys who are 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever, they're going to look at Mbappe and look at him as an absolute phenom. The same way that we looked at Ronaldo in, in 1998. So Mbappe, for me, was certainly up there. And Eden Hazard, I think, played like a guy who's looking for a move to Real Madrid. He was absolutely <laughs> spectacular uh, in every game he played. Uh, such a responsible performance against Brazil, winning the ball, completed 10 out of 10 dribbles, winning fouls, taking the pressure off. He was just phenomenal uh, for me with Eden Hazard. Just, a news just was coming through about uh, Alexei uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Uh, Oxlade He's going to miss most of the season after an operation. Um, with Liverpool strengthening up, so I, I know, Peter, I'm talking about like, English football never do, but just with all the moves like, in, like, that Liverpool have like, you know, got a, a, another keeper and you know, who they're bringing in as well. Do you think you know are Liverpool contenders for the you know to will they, will top three be their like their max or do you think will they be challenging for the title this year? Well, I think if Liverpool don't go close this year, uh, I don't think Klopp has got any more excuses because we've heard uh, a few times in the past from Klopp saying that they can't compete with the teams that are spending money at the top of the table. But you look through last summer, the winter obviously with Van Dijk, and this summer, you know they've spent close to I think three hundred million pounds. So he's got everything he wanted. He's got that new spine to his team. His goalkeeper, Alisson, he's got Virgil van Dijk, he's got Keita, he's got Fabinho, and he's probably got the best front three in England up front as well. So if they don't go close, I think that the club is going to run out, of, run out of excuses. And when I see what's happening at Chelsea, I'm not convinced about Maurizio Sarri going in there, the language barrier. He hasn't had enough time to prepare his team before the start of the season. 
I think that Man City are about the only team who should finish ahead of Liverpool in this, uh, over the course of the season. And what about United? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Mourinho's a different story altogether. Because um, he, he is... He I had, think that Klopp and... I was going to say... He, 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 playing a, a different brand of football. And he, he's saying that he wants to get... Uh, he's determined to get Perisic... Uh, to, like to to go because you tried to get him last summer. Do you think w- would Perisic be that kind of like final piece of jigsaw there? Uh, jigsaw there, especially with, if Pogba comes back uh, firing all cylinders. I think he will be a piece of the jigsaw, but I don't think that will be the final piece of the jigsaw. I think United is still very much a team in transition. I'm looking at the team that finished the season last year, and there's still probably about four or five of them that I would replace quite happily. Um, you know, you look through the squad and you think, right, okay, maybe Pogba's on the level that, that of Man United teams. Of the past, but they certainly need more players uh, of that quality. So Perisic would be a great signing for Man United. Excellent. You know, they would sit back on the break and then try and hit through his pace up front. And he's both footed. He's electrically quick. He can deliver set pieces. He'd be a fantastic player for United. Excellent. Listen, Peter. Look, thank you again for for being a wonderful guest here with us. Uh, not just the Champ Talks, but of course on, on uh, Capital FM as well. And I know we're going to get you on all through the course of the season because you you always add something electric, just like Perisic. You add electric to our team here, so electricity. So thank you so so much for taking time for us this evening. You're very welcome, Alan. Anytime you want me on, I will come because I love talking to you. And I had a great time in Russia. And if your listeners want to hear any good news about you, is that you're a wonderful host in Moscow. And it was been an absolute pleasure to spend the last month by your side. Thank you so so much, Peter. Take care and have a great evening. Thank you. Okay, so that was Peter M. Staunton. It's, if you at Peter M. Staunton, if you follow him on Twitter, if you uh, read what he writes, he is a wonderful, wonderful writer. He's a gifted writer, and honestly, when you hear him presenting his thoughts, and that he he always like it's an education for journalism uh, for any journalist, and it's an education for me. Okay, still here in the studio with us, we have um, uh, Anastasia Barano and of course uh, Adrian Morvan. Anastasia, I'm going to go to you just first before I go to to Adrian. So you, you're hearing all these good things about uh, Russia. Do you think that the World Cup is it going to help tour? here like why, why should people come to visit Moscow well I really hope so that uh, the tourists will be developed well Moscow is a most tourist place uh, of all the Russia <laughs> and um, I really hope that uh, the tourism will spread on the other cities as well so they have something to show it the Russia has a big heritage. And if, if you could pick, say, two cities in Russia, apart from St. Petersburg, that people should go to visit for a weekend, where would they be? Give us two examples. Uh, well, Sochi. Okay. <laughs> and Volgograd. Volgograd, okay. All right, <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, so, Adrian, uh, okay, okay, Mbappe is as, as the best player. Is that, is, that, was, is that fair? I mean, because I would have gone with Modric, or but what do you reckon? I will say Modric too. Modric too? Because it, he he was sort of better than he he sort of dragged his team along for most of it. Or how would you say? Well, I think that in a football where everything is about statistic, it's a bit refreshing to to see a, a playmaker like Modric being so good at the tournament. Um, I like the way that he pulled the Croatia team all through the tournament. It was really decisive, actually. Uh, more than Messi or Ronaldo, I will say. So, it's it's a very good decision that they gave him the, the best, best player. player title. Yeah, it seemed it did seem fair enough at the time, and I think everyone, even the French fans, were applauding at the time. So, 
Okay, so uh, thank you both for joining us in studio today. So Anastasia and Adrian, we'll hope we get you back soon. So uh, okay, Nikki, uh, we we have a winner. So or we have we've selected our winner. So it's Olivier. Olivier, you are correct. So the the winner of the Golden Boot, the top score uh, of this year's World Cup, was Harry Kane. Okay, so. Our first uh, Capital Sports back. We've got lots to come. We have uh, huge, huge, big announcements to make very, very soon uh, about who we're partnering up with and where we'll be as well, of course. Uh, and next week we're back, of course, we will have a really superb lineup again next week. So it's going to be very, very interesting to hear us. Uh, we're going to play out with a song that kind of, for me, is from nineteen. It's from nineteen ninety. Kind of, it's the, it's the backdrop to nineteen ninety. Uh, let's say a hymn for me for nineteen ninety. Uh, most people know it better from the song from the movie uh, Dirty Dancing. So. Uh, uh, folks, thank you so, so much. Nikki Stay, thank you very much again. Thank you, Alan. Hopefully we won't be arguing next next week on air. Uh, <laughs> we'll be more polite to each other. And uh, next next week, of course, we're going to have a super show. Back again at 9 o'clock next week. So until then, we're going to play out with a song that uh, showed kind of what we've just had in this past month and a half. We've had the time of our lives. Uh, so this is uh, Bill... Medley, uh, Bill and Jennifer Warrens. Bill Medley and Jennifer Warrens with I've Had the Time of My Life. Talk to you next week. Sports with Alan Moore. Now I had the time of my life. No, I never felt like this before. Yes, I swear it's a truth, and I owe it all to you. Stay.